Good morning, everybody. Um, good morning. It's good to see you all here. Let's, let's pray and we'll get started. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today and we pray that you would bless the study of your word. Uh, pour your spirit out upon us that we would read, mark, and inwardly digest what you uh, say to us in your scriptures. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I need a little help. Uh-oh. Um, I overwrote the document that I used, uh, and I don't actually know what we got into in Romans 12. If we actually got into the, the text, or did I just do prolegomena stuff, talking about the layout of 12 through 16 and the, the themes that we were dealing with there? Because it seemed to me like that we're going back two weeks, because last week we, we did Trinity. Um, and uh, uh, does any of the stuff on the page look familiar? Let's just go with that. Can you watch the tape? Therefore, we talked about that, okay. Did I get into the presenting your bodies as living sacrifices stuff? I don't think so. All right, that's where we're gonna, we're just gonna go from there then. Good morning. Um, so uh, as, as has been uh, my, my want in these last uh, weeks, um, anything from the last week that uh, kind of sticks out in terms of something that was helpful, something that was useful? Kind of a challenging session, I know, because um, I was in with the praise team and then I came in and, and caught the last little bit of this and. There was some question and answer type of stuff, but beyond that, anything that just kind of... That was BBSing. No worries. interview? Yeah. Yeah. Two girls had to get married in two different churches the same day. Oh, yeah. You, you got married on the... No. You went, you went to two different churches the day that you each got married. For a moment there, it sounded like, you know, you two got married on the same oh, yeah, no, day. No, yeah, no, and I'm like, no, no. wait a second, no. that's not fair. You didn't get to go to your sister's wedding? Actually, really a month, month between us, so. Okay. Still. So my question was, do they have to get divorced in each church? Oh. <laughs> that's kind of dark, Nancy. <laughs> I think for me, one of the things that I often think about when I think of the Trinity, um, I find myself in, in this place where I really want to resist the idea of explaining it. I mean, we gotta talk a little bit about, about that, but um, all of the analogies, they break down at some point. And uh, you know, I think that the, I think the challenge for us is to say, what God says about himself. No more, no less. And some of what God says about himself doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. You know, as you have these three persons of the Trinity mm -hmm. as one God. And I think there's a mystery there. And I'm not sure that we have been given to fully comprehend all of the mysteries of God. Yeah. And I think that that's okay. Um, I think a, a, a big challenge for the church, at least, at least since the Enlightenment, but if you're reading you know, the church fathers and such, they, you know, they wrestled with this long before. Um, we want to make everything fit within our boxes. Mm -hmm. Our box wasn't big enough. 
well, it, it might not even be the right kind of box. Um, so, you know, uh, so we confess the Trinity. We, we continue to uh, thank God for the, you know, that he is this three in one. But uh, uh, that being said, um, there, there's a little bit of resting in. I'm not completely you clear know, on what all of this comes together to mean. Yeah. Just as a, a thought, if you if you study relativity, four-dimensional space-time, and you try to think in four dimensions, we're not built that way. That it, it, our minds are pre-wired to work in three dimensions, and I think if you make the fourth dimension spirituality, same sort of thing. <laughs> I'm glad you said it that way because I was once in a conference one time because I know you're very scientifically minded, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, somebody was kind of going that, that same route. If you think about it in terms of the theory of relativity, this is actually very easy to explain. I'm like, no, yeah, no, no it's not. actually not. <laughs> so, it's easy to explain why we can't explain it. Yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So I think people who don't want to trust Christ don't want him to be God. So I remember many, many years ago talking to a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And I brought up the Trinity. And of course they were not into that. And I said, well, it's a mystery. And that was totally unsatisfactory for them. Yeah. So I guess I felt sort of like not satisfied with the conversation either. (laughs) Sounds like you're saying all you can do is put it out there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was actually talking um, last evening. I, I got a text message from a young man. Uh, his roommate in college um, was a Muslim. And the, the whole idea of God as three and one is very offensive uh, in, in Islam. And, uh, you know, now thankfully the two are, have been having some, you know, interesting conversations about this where, you know, nobody's getting out of, you know, bent out of shape or anything. Um, but, uh, um, He's like, I, I, I need some stuff to help me to explain the, the, the Trinity. I'm like, hmm. well, I, fabulously reached out. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that that's always a joy, you know. Um, but uh, kind of had to talk about it's not so much about explaining as it is confessing, um, and frankly, that's not where I want to start when I'm dealing with somebody who's a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and, and I mean, they, they're roommates, so they're t- probably talking about all kinds of different stuff. But uh, that's, that's a hard road to hoe if you want to try to explain, you know, the, the Trinity. Now, can I confess it kind of clearly? Uh, I think so. I, I think that that's one of the strengths of the Athanasian Creed as you go through it. It, it's, it is dreadfully thorough. Just relationship to a relationship to relationship but um but it does a fabulous job of this is who god is as a trinity and this is who jesus is yeah it's probably a stupid question but do jews recognize the holy spirit <sighs> um probably not in the same way that we do um uh, I mean, is there god two in one <laughs> no uh I mean, there, there, the past, there are passages in the, in the scriptures that speak of you know, the Spirit of God in, you know, in the Old Testament. And uh, um, I would suspect, though, that 
they don't think about it that the same way that we do. That you know, it's like you know, a person's soul and body. You know, that this is another aspect of of who God is. I don't know that for a hundred percent though, so don't don't bet the farm on that. Okay. Yeah. If you ever watch Game of Thrones, you know their God is seven in one. So. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. And they call, the church is called a sept. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A sept. A sept. Yep. They're very all very earthly representations. You know, father, mother, soldiers, fifth, so, and yeah. so on. All right. Like I can't get through the first episode of that. I couldn't get through the book. I I, I, I wanted to read the book. It was just it's it's rough. Oh, it is. It's incredible. Uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, the book. The first book is called uh, Song of Fire and Ice. Um, well, I think the first book is actually called Game of Thrones. The Song of Fire and Ice is the name of the series of books. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe. Okay. Anyway. But anyhow, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I, I when I when I quote unquote read fiction, I tend to listen to it, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there. I'm listening. I'm just like. Man, I yeah, just they did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's it's rough stuff. So you have to watch it in a certain room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that one's not on my list of shows that I want to get to to see at some point. It's is it, isn't it strange how like we uh, we believe chemistry? Nobody's ever really seen positive negatives. And, oh yeah. Yeah. But we just, at neutrons, we just accept they're there yeah. without, without an issue and they exist together to form an atom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes <laughs> just looking at an automobile engine. Yeah. And it's moving faster than I can see it. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do I know that it's doing the same thing as it, what it's supposed Because I can't, you can't tell. see it. You yeah. just have to take that. Yeah. Which is easy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Um, verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and per." What is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God? So, um, apparently last time we did talk about the word therefore. What is it therefore? It's going back to all of the stuff that we've been talking about, about the unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. It's talking about that all people are under God's law and therefore under God's grace. And if we're going to be people who live under God's grace, how do we live? Um, and it's in view of the mercies of God. Um, and we're called to present our bodies uh, as a, a, a sacrifice. Um, in that word sacrifice, it's modified by, by three words. It's modified by a participle and two adjectives. It's a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, as we think about um, our lives, uh, part of what Paul is saying here is that we're not intended to live for ourselves. 
our, our lives are, are, are given back to God. You know, he gives us our lives, but we live them in that relationship where, you know, well, uh, it talks about this in one of the Corinthian books, you were bought at a price. I think it's 1 Corinthians 6. Um, but, you know, this idea, you know, you've been redeemed, you have been saved, you were created in the first place, contrary to the way the world tends to look at this idea of freedom, where that means that I get to do whatever I want, under the gospel, uh, the relationship changes and I begin to do what God wants and eventually maybe even begin to want what God wants me to want. You know, that our, our heart changes. And this idea of obedience is a, is a big part of this. That, you know, thus says the Lord, and I may or may not like that, but I'm going to live according to it. And the Spirit shapes us and forms us in order to actually desire the, the things of God. And... Uh, um, have you heard the phrase, uh, fake it until you make it? I think that there's a, that's a little bit crass, but you know, I think there's an element of that in, in this. Mm -hmm. In other words, when you start doing godly things, God actually works through that to shape us and to form us. As we apply his word in our lives, that starts to change our attitudes and to change the things that we desire. You know, and so the things that we desire, we start to desire things that are life-giving. We just start to desire things that are holy, things that are aligned with God's will for us, things that are acceptable and pleasing to him. And it says that this is your, your reasonable or your rational, this one translates it as worship, but it could also be translated as service. Um, the, uh, the word is um, diakonia, the, the word we get the word deacon or deaconess from. You know, so it's very much connected to, um, to this kind of liturgical, worshipful life. And what Paul is saying is that this idea of being a living sacrifice um, that we live our lives in such a way that it shows forth God's holiness and shows forth his good and gracious will to others, that makes sense. Um, that our worship, that our hearts and our lives are turned toward him, it makes sense that this would happen for us. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm reading a book, I'm behind in my, my reading, but uh, um, Eugene Peterson's a, a Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Um, if the name Eugene Peterson sounds familiar, the message, yeah. Um, so he uh, went back through the Bible using original languages to translate and paraphrase. You know, so uh, uh, I think that the message can be a very usable and, and helpful tool for us. Um, but I also think that we need to kind of know its place in that. It's not a straight translation. You know, uh, he's, he's definitely interpreting, um, but I, I'm off topic. Uh, brilliant guy. Um, he's a Presbyterian pastor, and uh, um, 
has written all kinds of wonderful stuff that is very helpful. And in this book, he talks about our worship and he says, there are more people in worship on any given Sunday than are at all the football games, on the golf links, or fishing, or taking walks in the woods. Worship is the single most popular act in this land. You sure wouldn't know that from common news, media. No. Was he referring to the entire world or to this country? I think he's talking primarily about the United States, but I think really? you, I think you could make that for the whole world. Oh, I think it's much more likely for the whole world. Yeah, really, you get a lot of different religions. Yeah, you know. He does say in this land. Yeah, no. I think I think he's talking particularly about the U.S. That's but surprising. Yeah, but the idea that um, there are a lot of people gathering to worship, this is part of what we're wired for. I'm not saying, and I'm not sure that he's saying that everybody is worshiping rightly or worshiping, you know, Jesus and you know, living in his grace and his forgiveness and all of those good things. Um, there, there was, I'm sorry, there was one, I forget who it was, it was a theologian or a philosopher, but he said, if God did not exist, we would have to have invented him by now. I've heard that quote too. Yeah. 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 Invented him. We need <laughs> well, th this is kind of um, Blaise Pascal's, there's a God-shaped hole mm -hmm. that's in all of us. And um, Augustine, uh, who says that uh, our, our hearts are never at rest until they're at rest in God. Mm -hmm. You know, just that, that, that we are, we are, we're created, we are people who are created to worship. And we will worship something. Mm -hmm. You know, and it makes sense that as people who have been redeemed and people who have been cleansed in Christ, that our worship is going to turn toward him and it's going to impact how we live our day-to-day -day lives. And that's what Romans 12 is getting into, that this is, we live differently now. And we come to our first imperative verbs in, in this section. So these are commands. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this age, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind. So do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, this age. I used to have this shirt that I wore when I was in college. It had all these um, really uh, kind of fun, colorful fish drawn on it um, and uh, you know, very cartoon shaped. And in the middle of that, there was um, an ichthus, you know, a Jesus fish. Uh, going the opposite yeah. direction, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, um, I think that that's a, a good image. You know, the world says to go in one way, and we're actually called sometimes to go against the direction of the world. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. It's just interesting that this was proclaimed in some specific age, and yet it's ageless. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what age you're talking about. Yeah. It might as well have said, do not conform yourself to the pattern of any age. Right. Yeah. Because it's still the world. Yeah. You know, and we live in a fallen world, and uh, we live where you know, the, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature are still at work. It, sometimes I like to tell, you know, people are like, we're so much more advanced than you know, people were years ago. And technologically speaking, there's truth in that. Mm -hmm. 
But people are people are people. And those things that are deep down inside of us, those um, desires, those insecurities, those um, sinful things, they're the same across cultures, across ages, you know, and, and we're not to conform to those things any longer. Um, part of this is that, that penultimate, ultimate thing that I like to talk about, that we're living in a world that is going to go away. Uh, we live in a place where thieves break in, where or, you know, things rust, where things rot, where moths eat. There's something better waiting for us after this life. Uh, you know, and so we don't want to be so focused on this world and this life that we lose sight of the, the other. Um, and we don't want to be uh, conformed. Um, you could translate that word molded. Uh, and I like that word molded because when you mold something, you know, if you have a mold, you press it into the mold. You know, because sometimes we conform because of the pressure that we feel, right? You know, we talk about peer pressure sometimes. Um, it's a good thing that since we're adults, we don't experience peer pressure anymore, right? <laughs> we, we used to talk about that all the time yeah. uh, with all the youth and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. You know, because when I first started in ministry, I did a lot of youth work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everything was peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure. But they don't, we don't talk about that so much with, with adults. But we still feel peer pressure, you know, this pressing to, to conform to you know, whatever, you know, yeah. in this world. And we're shaped by this world. I think that some of that is unavoidable for us. It's why I say that we're people who live in repentance. And, and we're called to live in, in opposition to the world's values. Uh, even as, you know, we live for the world's benefit. Catch that. We're called to live in opposition to the world's values, even as we live for the world's benefits. Mm -hmm. We are called to be salt and light in the world, to share the hope of the gospel, to live in ways that reflect God's love, his justice, his mercy. And if we live in those ways, is it going to make the world a better place? Yeah! God's ways are always good, right? That's kind of, you know, um, if, if you're doing the Bible reading plan, Psalm 119, longest psalm in the Bible, it's, it's, it's this, you know, I, I was born into this world, and, and I want to live according to God's ways. And he uses like seven different words to talk about how God's word interacts with his life. And he wants to be taught, and he wants to follow, and, and all of these things. And it's going to impact the people around him. And as a group, as we live that way, we make the world a better place that is good right and salutary you know and that is part of who we are as God's people but it's because um, we're not conformed to the pattern of this world we have different values and as we seek after those values it is good for the world we benefit the world um, 
and then we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we've heard this kind of language before in the book. If you go back to Romans 8, where it talks about um, the, the, the flesh having the mind on, on, its mind on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit have their minds on the, the things of the Spirit. You know, the mindset of the flesh is death, and the mindset of the, mindset of the Spirit, excuse me, is life and peace. The flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to his law. It's even unable to do so, which is something else that's, I think, important to keep in mind. I've noticed over the, uh, over the years that when people um, are interacting with those who are not Christians that live in a way that they find offensive, that they're like, I can't believe they would do that. I'm like, really? <laughs> of course they would. You know, when we understand human depravity, you know, there's all kinds of depraved things that people do. You know, every once in a while I'm like, just read a history book. You know, because if you read through history, you, you see all kinds of terrible things that people have done. And some of them were, a lot of them were Christians. You know, yep. going back to their sinful nature. But when pagans act like pagans, I don't think that we should be shocked by that. Do, do you, in your daily work or in your years of work, do you find the cancel culture more hostile to God now than you've seen in the past, or is it just media? Um, I, I think that I think that there's some hype around that. Um, yeah. I think that there has always been um, there, there have always been people who are vocal about not wanting God's word to be proclaimed. Mm -hmm. I, I, gee, I haven't seen the cancel culture being anti-Christian in any way. In our bigotry, mainly. There's an anti-conservative. Yes, it's anti-conservative, but usually, specifically, those who are bigoted and no, not Christian following values. God's word. Not always. Not always, but I, I, I don't see it on Christian values one, one percent. Any time that half a percent, yeah. No, any any time that you get into the topic of sexuality. Well, it depends on what you think about sexuality as anti-Christian. Maybe we differ on that. Well, I, I, I will yeah. hold to what the scriptures say. Some things they don't say a whole lot. Some things they say very clearly. Mm. Oh. I don't know about we can I talk have felt personally attacked by Chris, really? Christian views. Yes, by, okay. by people, who yeah. don't, people who live according to the flesh. <laughs> well, I have any number of things people have said where they, it's not Christian values, they think Christianity is a danger yeah. in our country and in the world. Oh, yeah, and, and more and more attitudes are saying that religion uh, in general is not beneficial. Oh. You know, and that's across the board, not just Christianity. Um, you know, that uh, uh, the idea of having a faith in something uh, outside of this world is a, a negative thing in the lives of cool. the, the, the community or and culture. Or something else, right? yeah. yeah. You must be an idiot. Yeah. Yes? I think one of the big differences is the communication because they dig up yeah. everything they can find and broadcast it nationwide where it's been in a little town and only those people would know that somebody said something mm -hmm. anti-Christian. Yeah. It's on 
national news, all channels. So we're more aware of things that should be local than national. Yeah, well, and, and we're bombarded as right. well. You know, so when, when somebody, you know, in years past, if there was somebody who was controversial who was going to speak at Berkeley, you know, we're not going to hear about that in Hudson, Ohio. Uh -huh. It's just, it's part of the, the, uh, the communication culture that we live in, so. Well, and we're responsible for the people we interact with. I have a brother who is anti-Christian, and he would not argue if I said that. I mean, there are people I talk to where we work out. A man who is anti-Christian and has told me I'm a fool, and, you know, it's out there, and so we have to yeah. respond to the people mm -hmm. that's in front of us, not so much the big news stories that somebody chose to show us. Yeah, and, and I think that you're on to something that I think is really important when we think about how do we live this faith. Um, I think that there was a movement years ago um, that was connected to some of the mission work movement that is, we need to save the world. And is, is that statement true that missions should you know, deal with the whole world? Yes. The, and, and I think that part of what happened is that we started looking at the world and stopped looking at home. And I think that this is something that isn't just, you know, some, the way that the, that the church operates, uh, but it's, it's local politics, it's local news. You know, how many local newspapers have died? You know, and yet there are still great big national news outlets, right? Mm -hmm. And how many people are very active in their local politics? Just watch the elections. You know, who shows up for the midterms uh -huh. as opposed to the presidential election? Uh -huh. And which one is actually more likely to impact you, the, the local or the national? I think the national. I, I, I think that you're going to deal a lot more with people that you're going to see face to face. With people, yes. But with laws, that's something else. With availability of... Uh, financial support for the poor, that's something else. Uh, with, yeah, but in terms of interacting with the people, yeah, that's local, but government is a lot more than people. I, so don't, uh, don't, mis, don't mishear what I'm saying. Okay. I'm not saying that national elections don't matter. Right. But if you skip the national election, your one vote, probably not gonna make a difference. But in a local election, oh, your one vote yeah. is a much larger percentage oh, that's, that's of that experience. And it actually has to do with people that you're going to meet and you're going to deal with. Yeah. Well, and, and to me, it's a, it's a dominoes effect because the people that get into politics at a local level generally go to a bigger level. Yes. To a bigger level. So if we're not sticking with our values in a local level, we're not going to have our values represented in a bigger level. Or even if you're not participating in the conversation. Right. Yeah. 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 So. So yeah. So we've we, we got to start up down here. Yeah. That's that's you make an important point. If we're not participating in the conversation, and I think that's what I personally have felt is I need to be more vocal about what my values are, rather than 
accept that there's all this hostility and quiet down. Right. I need to continue to voice my opinion. Yeah. Well, and and make sure and make sure that you know that belief and the uh, uh, opinions actually conform to the word of God, right. you know, and, and not to the patterns of this world. Right. Yeah. I'll just say one more little thing that I think cancel culture it depends on how you define it. Started out as anti-conservative, but it has turned much more toward anti-liberal now. I don't know if it's turned more to that, but it's certainly getting, it, it, yeah, there's I certainly mean, turnabout. Target and Bud Light, and that's all cancel culture, and that's because of liberal positions. And, and, and I have to say personally, very strongly, I don't consider Christianity as more conservative than no. liberal. It's, it's in another, and so sometimes politicians twisted into other things. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Last week, the week before, um, Timothy Keller died. Um, Timothy Keller. He's a Presbyterian pastor. He, he was one of the preeminent um, Christian theologians in the United States. Um, just, you know, very accessible but brilliant. And, uh, you know, he looked at politics and he's very clear that... Uh, um, Christians don't fall into either category because there are things that um, both parties hold to that are unacceptable scripturally. You know, and I think that as we walk that line and we seek to um, uh, uh, be faithful to what God says in His Word, um, and uh, uh, and as we walk in his ways, um, there will be times where we will find ourselves uh, aligning with some values that get called conservative. And I think that we will find ourselves aligning with some values that are called liberal. And I don't think that we should care one way or the other whether it's conservative or liberal, because I think that ultimately they need to come under God's word. And if it, you know, is outside of God's word, then what we're dealing with is we're conforming to the patterns of this world. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yeah. You know, for politics, though, and voting and so on, it, um, it isn't always like this one is biblical. No. It's not biblical. I don't know, it's a matter of um, what is the role of government. So I'm not sure the scripture specific, well, I guess there are no. about our response to government, but sometimes I think that is the big difference with the two camps in our country. It's not like we uh, have opposing values all the time. It's what is the role of government. That's a good point. So I think sometimes the two parties have different ways of saying, this is the job of government. They might have the same goal, but how do you accomplish it? What's the best thing to actually help people? What yeah. those sorts of things? Yeah, what, what I mean is that as we live as aliens and strangers in this world, and we seek to live under the values of the kingdom of God, that we're going to find that those values conflict with the, the patterns of this world. Oh. And, and the values that are presented you know, politically all around us. 
And, and so if we're going to look for a party that is, you know, down the line, everything, you know, that, that the scriptures teach, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. And that means that there will be times where we align ourselves one way or we align ourselves another way in terms of our vote, in terms of how we feel the world would be best governed in this penultimate experience. Um, and we look forward to that redemption that comes when Jesus returns. And I actually think it's really good for us to be uncomfortable um, with the politics and the values of this world because we're not intended to live in this experience. You know, we have, we have a different stamp on us. We have a different name on us. You know, and uh, I think that... Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're called to be, well, I mean, this right here. We're not conformed to the pattern of this world, this, this age that we live in, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, those are the things that we want to strive for in order to do the things that God calls us to do, to be the people he calls us to be, to approve what he approves of, and to disapprove of what he disapproves of, and that our hearts would be aligned with his mission to bring forgiveness to sinners. And the renewal of the mind, I think, is important because we have to keep doing it. Right? Yes. Re, 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 re. Yeah. You know, and so we want to be able to examine, test, approve, and discern what the good and pleasing, perfect will of God is. In other words, that we approve what God approves. You know, that we agree with him and what he says in his word. So um, one of the things that I've run into in my life uh, is, you know, when people outside of the, uh, the church say that Christians should be like this. And then the church tends to get kind of worked up about that. You know, you're not behaving very Christian-like. They're usually non-Christians that notice it. Yeah. So first of all, how does, how does the world know how a Christian should act? Right. I mean, some of it, I mean, they, they hear what we say. They, yeah. they hear what the values that we espouse are. And, you know, and sometimes they rightly hold us to account to say, you're not living up to what you say you're about. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in terms of, you know, what should you be about? What, what should the, the things we pursue be and all of those things? Does the, does the world know what that is? Right, it's their interpretation, and, and they don't know. Um, that being said, how do you know how a Christian should act? Mm-hmm. God's word. The scriptures. Yeah, it's written in our heart. The law is written in our hearts, and it accuses us, and we do a really good job of excusing yeah, exactly. ourselves. <laughs> we justify Yeah, exactly. Well done. That's good Romans language. I love it. Did you repeat what she said? Um, She said we justify ourselves instead of letting God justify us. Very good. So when when I think of, you know, how, how do we know how a Christian should act, you know, I think that this is one of the reasons that it's very important for us to return to the scriptures over and over and over again to hear God's word, to you know, let it shape and form us. 
because there are going to be pressures on us that are going to shape us and form us. You know, and uh, if, if, if the hour of worship um, is, is all the time that we spend interacting with God's word, you know, that you've got the rest of the week that's, you know, pressing down on you, that's shaping you and forming you. You know, um, I remember when I was a kid, um, I, I listened to all kinds of music and, and I like a, a lot of different kinds of music. Um, but as I think about the music that I listened to when I was younger, um, there was a message there. We, we tend to like turn on the radio and think that this is just neutral. It's not. I mean, there are songs that are just silly and there really is no message there and it's just fun, mm -hmm. you know. But most of the time, you know, when songwriters write songs, they, they're trying to say something. It's usually something about sex, but, um, <laughs> or love, or, you know, whatever else, but. Yeah, your car dying, yeah. Yeah, if it's country, yeah, and you have an AI truck, your truck left you, right. and your, yeah. <laughs> um, and yet the world is going to be saying, this is how you should act, and that always has to come back to God's word. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always obvious what God's word points to in this world. And I'll just relate a particular time that was sort of a struggle for me. Uh, I lost my job and had to look for another one. And at that point, there was a big, a big push in the defense industry. Mm. And all the good jobs were developing weapons. Yeah, some people could justify that. I could not. I did not believe that I could follow God's word to love my neighbor as myself while building weapons. And I decided, actually, Technicare was a, a likely place. I knew some people from there. I had no experience whatsoever in medical imaging. But I set that as my target, despite all these lucrative offers out there I was, I was going to aim at, at, at that job. Mm -hmm. I, if I learned a little more, I would have said, well, maybe Picker also. But, uh, and that's the way it went. That worked out fine for me. But the question is, came down to, is developing weapons a godly thing? Well, now we're, this thing with Ukraine, sort of leaning the other way, say, you know, we, we need those weapons just not to hopefully kill as few people as possible, but to keep people like Putin at bay. But it's, it's not a question of the word of the Lord. It's not a question of what's written in the Bible. It's a question of, if you believe the Bible, what actions do you think are going to result in, in what God wants? Yet, without reading the Bible, I'm not sure we can know what God wants. Right. Now, you start with reading the Bible. I'm not demeaning that yeah. or belittling it. I'm just saying the world is complex. Sure. And I think, I often wonder if I am to love my neighbor as myself, uh, shouldn't I consider my neighbor's bank account balance as equally important 
as my own? And shouldn't I consider the consequences of, of, of everything, every interaction, including financial, that I do to say, well, how else is, you know, yeah. I'm buying something that's cost me money, but on the other hand, it provides this guy with a job, and it provides, you know, and yeah. sometimes it's, yeah, it's going to cost me a whole bunch of money, and it's just going to go to somebody who doesn't need it anyway. You know, it's not profligate spending is good, but it's, it seems to me we should, we should be thinking about this. And in terms of conforming to the ways of the world, getting ahead financially is one of the most powerful ways of the world that I think we should reject. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and you, you get to be kind of torn now because so many things are done with child labor and slave yeah. labor, and yeah. yet you need it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, no, this, this so there, there is a tension um, that, you know, okay, so now as we live as Christians, we're, we're going to do everything right. Well, how many of you have a cell phone with a battery in it? Yeah. yeah. And, and that battery was, you know, uh, the, the, yeah. the materials in there were harvested with child slavery. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know and, and so one of the things that I, I think you're going to hear me say, uh, if you haven't heard it, said for me is that it is not possible for us to not sin that doesn't mean that we just you know well i don't care i'm just going to go do anything and everything that i like um, you know we're going to you know try to uh, con not conform the patterns of this world but you know be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we're going to you know try to live in such a way that we relate with our neighbors and we love them i think that that has a lot to say about our financials. Um, it has a lot to say with our sexual ethics. It has a lot to say with uh, um, how we, we look at uh, justice issues. I think it has a lot to say about life issues. You know, there is a lot that's in there if we're going to conform ourselves to, to God's will. And notice that at least two of those are things that Republicans would love and at least two of those are things that Democrats tend mm -hmm. to love. And I think that all four of them are part of who we are as Christians. If we read the scriptures and we see God's values at work, I think you, you know, that this is one of the things I do love about our, our congregation. Um, there are a lot of, uh, there are more and more congregations are being split um, by their politics more than their theology. You know, and you will find uh, a lot of churches that are, they're like 95% Republican or they're 95% you know, Democrat. Mm -hmm. Our church is not split that way. And it's one of the things that I really appreciate because we need to hear both of those voices that are trying to conform themselves to God's word in some ways wrong on some issues and in other ways right on other issues and we we need that bouncing off of each other um, and to be called into repentance on those things where we're wrong and to be called into you know greater service and and love you know and the things that we're right on yeah i can only speak for myself who tends to be conservative i think it's 
a misrepresentation to say that as a conservative, I don't care about you know people in poverty. I don't care about aliens in our land because that's not true. And right. so I don't think like the liberals have it in, the, in that area, and we have it in that area. It's again, it's a different way of achieving something. It's like yeah. what is actually the most helpful to people in poverty. Yeah, it, I, I, I think it has to do with the emphasis of the different parties. Yeah, that's probably true of the parties, but I don't know that it's true of individuals. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not, and I think that there are a lot of caricatures that are placed on people, you know, because of their um, their political leanings. I think I think that's exactly what our problem is now: is that both the uh, parties do not bounce things off each other and come to a solution. Very true. Yeah. They stop talking. Yep. They stop talking. And I think the rise of political consultants. Yeah. has led to a reduction in political uh, principles mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, there's always been unprincipled people in politics, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's, it's exclusive. <laughs> They're also yeah. group. But now when they run, go to look at a campaign and you've got lots of analysts saying, we have to do this for this group or we have to do that for that group. Mm -hmm. And you get into things as a I've never been a candidate, but as a hypothetical candidate, where maybe at odds with his own philosophy yeah. and religion, mm -hmm. but he's got the professionals saying, here's what you need to do to get the votes from yeah. these yep. people, yeah. as opposed to Mr. Smith goes to Washington and just sort of yeah. standing on principle and saying, yeah. this is what's right. Yeah. 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 As a Christian, I blame the church for this mess because we allowed government to take over social ministry and get morality that cannot be legislated into a legislative body that cannot legislate it. Yeah. So uh, to me it's the failure of the church for allowing social ministry to be absorbed by the church, by the government. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, um, you know, we uh, we used to do a lot better care, a lot better job of caring for our neighbors. We did it. Because we didn't just throw money at them. Right. We knew their family, we knew their mental health, their emotional health, their spiritual health, their yep. physical health. Yeah, and, and uh, dealing with the people who are in our neighborhoods. Yes. And I think that's a way that we've bought into the spirit of our age. I think so too. Like, there's no front porches anymore. Mm -hmm. Just like, right. if we just see a little enclave and you don't worry about your neighbors. Yeah. Um, I met with the mayor of, of Hudson some time ago, um, not the current mayor, but when I first got here, and that's one of the things that he talked about, is that when we came here, um, uh, I, I asked him, what are the problems of our community? And, uh, and he says, we have people who pull into their um, garages, and they shut the door, and they go into their nice air-conditioned home, and they never meet the person who's yeah. in the next lot. And there's no relationships in, you know, and I mean, and yes, there are relationships in the neighborhoods, but they're not like it was, you know, and, uh, and, and some of that is just, some of that's a prosperity thing. Um, some of that is uh, uh, it, it, an attitude that we have. 
all kinds of things with that. Sometimes it's just the technology, because like people used to sit on their porches and talk, talk and stuff, and then they came up with air conditioning, yeah. and it changed the social structure. Of things. Yeah. You know, we live in Canada, and a lot of the older neighbors have since passed. So a lot of the newer, younger kids that are coming in are exactly like that. They go into their house. But I don't know if that's technology, like cell phones, computers. We've caused kids to be more introverted mm -hmm. and not. We have a young lady that lives across the street, and we never see her. Yeah. She like sticks her hand out to grab the mail and shuts the door. But I think the technology has done that to kids. They don't really know how to relate. It's part of the soup, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We'd rather text and talk. Yeah. If you talk to a cashier like, hi, how was your day? She'll probably say you're the first person that's talked to me all day. Because people don't. Yeah. I remember having to see typing in high school. And now, kids can type faster on this little machine oh, yeah. than I did on my electric typewriter in class. It, it, <laughs> I don't know if they're accurate. I, I get I get better typos. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, we need to wrap this up for today. Um, I, I'll give you I'll give you one thought um, from the uh, from the theological mind of Eric Tritton trying to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Um, part of this for me is uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, being a creature in relationship to the Creator, but also to other creatures. And um, one of the things that I have been trying to do is to honor the creatureliness of my fellow human beings when I go to stores and things like that, um, and through the drive-through, by looking the person that I'm dealing with in the eye and speaking with them. Um, and uh, that might be something to, uh, to consider uh, in terms of, you know, I'm gonna strive to live as a, a child of God, which means I'm going to, you know, rejoice in the creatureliness of these others and look them in the eyes. Um, yeah, but, you know, whatever, yeah. let's pray. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here today. Um, thank you for uh, a good, respectful, sometimes tough conversation today. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless us and that you would help us uh, as we seek to conform our lives to your word, uh, to be able to do that, to hear what you say and to be guided by that. And we ask, Lord, that, uh, that you would renew our minds by the work of your word and your spirit in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.